What's up, everybody? What's up, everyone? Mortal Kombat fans. All of you out there. We love you, fans. Thank you for being here, watching, listening to us. My name is Nathan. I am Zach. Uh, we are siblings, and you have joined us today to talk, have another week of discussion and conversation. Indeed. Around religious, religious trauma. trauma. <laughs> That's red line there for a second. Yeah, red line, the religious trauma. Here on the Moral Combat <laughs> Podcast, we talk about religious trauma. We were both raised in the Christian evangelical church um, and have both walked away from that church at different times in our lives. It's been about... I don't know, like 15 years for me. I've gone over the double. No, it's like 18 years for me. Yeah, I've gone over the double. I broke that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's been like 10 years for you. It's been like eight, like six months. <laughs> Zach's yeah. still reconsidering going back to the church, which is crazy. You know, <laughs> after so much healing, he's ready to dive back. No, I, I don't know. I just lingered. I lingered for a long time on how I identified. Um, but I walked away around like 19, 18. But then I didn't fully start right. saying it to like 25. Which, if you're curious how that has looked and the process has been for Zach or even me, well, you got 56 other episodes to go back and listen to. Yeah. But we know more people are listening now. So if you're listening now and you haven't listened before, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for being here. We are in the process of having some new segments on our podcast, making it more of a variety show. Mm -hmm. We hinted at that at the end of our last episode. If you care, then go watch the entire thing and maybe you'll find a little Easter egg. Or even better, just skip to the end. <laughs> yeah. Because we totally, it was really funny at the end of the last podcast, you just were like, started to spew all the beans. And I was like, hell yeah, spew at the end. At the end, yeah. Because if anyone's actually listening to the end, they should get all the beans and we know and we berries. Get, yeah, and we're getting, you know, a lot of view counts on our shorts, which is how it goes. And not yeah. as much as our long content, which is starting, we're starting to see some increases on it. Also, some of you wonderful folks out there in the internet land who had the uh, benefit of the algorithm working in your favor in our content ending up in your feed. Yeah. And then you have DM'd us to encourage us um, and you're from our past, you know who you are. Thank you so much. Yeah, from the, from the, from like the deepest parts of our souls. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, like, and you know who you are out yeah. there if you're watching this or you see this and, um, and you know how far back we go to our childhood. And so a lot of the trauma that we talk about here, you were there. And so there's nothing better than like me and Zach being able to text each other during the week and being like, oh my gosh, guess who texted yeah. the podcast? Yep. And it's a huge page long message of just love, love, support. And also that y'all made it out alive as well because yeah. Zachary. Not everyone does. Not everyone makes it out alive. Uh, the sleeping, walking zombies of the evangelical Christian faith. It's real. That's where I think a lot of the zombie apocalypse movies come from is literally just watching Christians. <laughs> Could be possible. Is this a br know? brutal maybe, maybe that was the start of the zombie. Yeah. Is just observing evangelical Christians and like, that, yeah. let's make a film about that. Just undercover directors. But we need it to be seen so church we can't say it's Christian because then, you know, the governments can take it down. I mean, yeah, you go to a church and they're like speaking in tongues and dancing to like, and like shaking and hitting a drum. All in like, the corner in a wall. Film it. <laughs> film it. Put scary music behind it. Dude, think if you walked into like a Pentecostal church in the dark, like let's just say they had the lights off, it would look like zombies are like... Yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be like, yeah, <laughs> not good. You know, like that scene in I Am Legend where he's going through the the broken down house and he's all like pointing the flashlight and he goes to that corner and it's all <laughs> yeah, it's just, and they're just all yeah, all they're just standing there. It's if like you, if, oh. you, if you if you if you took that scene yeah meme and you put behind it like Jesus <laughs> love her and they're just soul. all standing there like it would totally work. Be hilarious, dude. That'd be such a if we had the funds, that'd be a great short. That'd be so, if we could produce it, right? You want to know what's funny about us making the joke about evangelical Christians being zombies is that when you wake up from that dark, dark sleep that is encouraged when you're in the faith and you're an evangelical Christian, you found the truth, right? Zach? It's like you found life. You found the that's the food, the Bible. You're in it. You found the answer. And when you walk away, that's when the trauma hits, baby. That's the only way it can hit, baby. It's because you you made it out alive and you realize that what, what it was was that you were like told that you were eating and drinking, you know, the fruit of life and the spirit and all of that. And then you break free and you're like, oh, my God, I haven't been 
fulfilling myself with the entire, all the beauty and culture and spirituality of the entire world. I've been holding my humanity away. Holding my humanity away. I guess I was more zombie-like then when yeah. I used to think everybody was zombie-like. Everybody else was the zombies. And sadly, a child being raised in it like we were, you didn't know anything else. Yeah. And so until you broke off, you were like, wait, it was a lie. It was a lie. It was all a lie. Whereas to the other people that have, which I would love to have an interview someday of someone that like got saved at 17 and walked away at some point in their life. Because from what I've seen is normally if you get saved later in life, you stay Christian the rest of your life. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, I know I'm thinking of people right now that, you know, I was, I was, you know, come on over to the youth group. It'll be fun. And they give their life to Christ. And then they're not Christians anymore. So, oh, cool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, great for them. No, seriously, though. Celebrate that. One of the things that's hard about our podcast for us is we've been talking about our trauma for the most part every week um, for over a year now. And so we're really looking forward for other people, our guests, uh, to be on our show soon to Take some of the weight. Yeah. But um, it is not easy talking about your trauma every Sunday. This week was a hard, is a harder week for me coming in to do this. Yeah. You know, it's like, but what are we doing here, Zach? If we're not talking about our trauma on the Mortal Kombat podcast, it's, that's fine. Yeah. But there's a difference between content and art. Yeah. And I think that like doing a cap, doing, doing a show where you are putting your own personal history that no, that doesn't really, no one deserves to know it if they don't need to, mm. or you don't want to share. Nobody has to share anything. You don't no. owe anything to anybody. No. Um, is it can be really heavy to like every week be like, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this again? We've already talked about this. Um, and it's because this isn't our this has been a really artistic and cathartic way for us to make content around trauma. Mm. Um, it's like art, it's more, feels more artistic than it does just content based because it takes work and it's hard and it's not fun to talk about these things. Um, and that's why it's really encouraging to have people from our past reach it's out. incredibly encouraging. And tell us that they really admire what we're doing and they encourage us to not stop. Um, and so I'm not, I don't want to be afraid to be honest that like, I don't even really want to talk about these things tonight. Mm -mm. Um, not at all, man. Today, today's a tough one. I, I, like you mentioned having some anxiety prior. It's like, yeah, me too. I don't want to be here, dude. Like yeah. this is a, uh, and it's not even like our topic tonight. It's just, it's hard to do this every week. Um, especially when it's not just like a comedy podcast. We're not necessarily having fun every time. And it does feel good. Every time we finish, it feels great, but, yeah. but still it, it's, it, it can be really hard and sometimes are harder than others. And today's a, a tougher one. But what I learned last Sunday and I learned every single Sunday is the times it's tougher are normally the best podcasts. And last Sunday felt very tough too. I didn't want to do it either. You know, yeah. And I think there's got to be something to like, I have therapy, you know, every week, every other, I, right now it's every other week. And, you know, there's so many times I just don't want to do it. Yeah. And it's like, but it's not about wanting or not wanting. It's, I have this opportunity that I feel really lucky to have, which is I get to have a conversation about some things that are pretty deep seated that ultimately if I can get to the core of them or if I can have a fluid convert and intuitive conversation about it, I actually start to understand them a little better. Mm. And so we're really lucky to have this together, to have oh, this totally. space, to it's have this equipment. And, um, and to have started this man, it, uh, getting over that like hump of just doing it. And it did start as like, like a shoot the shit comedy yeah. podcast for the first 10 episodes. And then when it led into this, it's like, it, I mean, everything have its reason and synchronicity. And I think the cosmos had a way of making us do what we're doing right now. But now that we're doing it, it's like such a whole different experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that whole saying is that the cosmos pours from within, mm -hmm. you know, it's like the world's not happening at you the world, or your experience isn't happening at you. It's happening for you. Mm -hmm. The universe is here for you. It's a gift mm -hmm. So use that gift. And, um, uh, getting closer to that source of seeing the gift of life this is part of our process, baby, is having conversations about our childhood trauma around evangelical Christianity. So let's jump in. Let's go. Today, we are talking about guilt, which is one really big, broad topic. Yeah. Um, every human being on the planet has guilt, survival. 
Yeah. Right. It's good to have guilt, right? Guilt's like a survival thing, right? If you're guilty about something, maybe it's because your body's telling you and your mind's telling you, you should fix it. Yeah. You did something bad. Yeah. You know, punching that person in the face. Do you feel guilty? Yes. Do you not? No. That's a, if you didn't yeah. feel guilt, that's it's a more, it's a morality issue. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but guilt that's used as a tool to, uh, help kids learn or force kids to learn certain ways. Or control them. Or control them is pretty destructive. Yeah. Or control your thoughts too. Exactly. It's one thing to be like, I murdered someone and I feel pretty guilty about it. Or I hurt their feelings and I called them names and I feel guilty. It's another thing to be like, I'm having thoughts and I feel guilty. Just on that topic, if you tell a 10-year-old that if you look at another person and you wish they were dead, you might as well have murdered them. Yep. Right? Because that's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. You tell a 10-year-old that, you tell an 8-year-old that, you start to feel like every thought you have towards everyone else, you're murdering them. Yep. And you're writing a fine line. You don't want to have evil thoughts. So how do you, one way to teach a kid to not have evil thoughts is to scare the shit out of them that every thought they have that's bad is like a being a murderer. Mm. That's a lot of guilt that can come from that. Well, let's just, we know what, yeah, as we're doing go. now in the cast. Let's just fly through. We print out prompt questions to help us stay on topic and to keep flowing through stay these broad. Stay on target. Yeah. Stay on target. Rebecca, I miss it just off the surface. <laughs> Some new hope, Star Wars. All right, trauma of guilt. Question number one: If we read these and we don't, because we're going in as you listen and watch, we're going into. We've briefly gone over them quickly, but we don't really know where this will lead. Number one: Did the church teachings ever make you feel inherently sinful or unworthy? No. No, never, <laughs> not even, not even the slightest. Never. never, not once. This is like, this could be a one word answer. Yes. And a lot of these are one word answers when I was reviewing them. And like that, that's what makes it tough is it's like, if I were to answer this properly, I would have the scriptures that, that made me feel that way. But I, of course I don't, you know, and of course I'm not going to have those right now. Sure. But like, let's just say, did the church teachings ever make you feel inherently sinful or unworthy? What's like a church teaching that you remember that like, and we don't even, we could just go to the next question because it might be hard to think like there was endless teaching. Everything mm. in church is a teaching, you know, like, and we, our last podcast, we talked about the trauma of rituals, right? And a lot of those rituals were taught to us, right? These can be considered like church teachings. Mm. And so on the topic of guilt, there were so many rituals that are taught from church or ways to think. One of the ones that I was thinking a lot about is there's the whole verse in the Bible that talks about turn the other cheek. Yeah. Right. Or what I brought up earlier, which is if you look at another person, you think evil thoughts are deadly, you know, it might as well just murder them. Same thing with adultery. If you look at another woman. Right. Specific to women. Specific to women. No, no, this is only for men. Yeah. You know, in the Bible, it was like, if you look at another woman, you might as well be committing adultery. But if a woman looks at another man, well, that's not even a verse in the Bible, right? No, 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 no. No, women don't look at men. Women have only one man in their life, and then they'll never look at another man. According to the Bible, yeah. Um, but that was a big one for me. Yeah. That teaching was like, before I even knew really what dating was or like what it meant to be attracted to a person, it was like I would look at a girl and I would you know, be like, boobs. And you're committing adultery. This is what would go through my head. You're committing adultery on your future wife. Oh, wow. That's a level of guilt. 100%. Is that what you would feel? I mean, dude, guilt ruined me as a kid. And so, like, all of these questions is like, yeah, all I did is think about how guilty I was. Um, unworthy. It, it, th- this question is tough for me because I was raised in the faith. You were raised in the faith. I felt the most worthy. I My, my life was based off of Jesus, but— for some reason, I still felt so guilty all the time and unworthy. But I, I, when I would talk to myself as a kid, I'm like, dude, all I do is read my Bible. All I do is pray. If I'm not going to heaven, none of you are going to heaven. This is a lie. Like, that's the way I would kind of think about sure. it. But I still felt so guilty. And so I think some of these other questions are going to get into some deeper topics. So then like, but what you're saying is that you f- like this question being like inherently sinful or unworthy, you're over here like, dude, I was born in the church. I never knew anything else. My parents were pastors. I was perfect at this. So I never felt unworthy. Yeah. But you still dealt with an immense amount of guilt in your life. Mm-hmm. How's that? How do you feel? How do you feel like the best or the most worthy and then deal with so much guilt? Because worthy is not the right word, man. You're not worthy in the faith. No one's worthy in the faith. You're, you're, you're just a minute human. And God put you here to do one thing, worship. 
There's right. nothing else for you to do and to save people. It's like a, it's a very like dark reality to be an evangelical Christian. You have one goal and it's to love the man, the man God up there and to make sure that other people know that you love them and you have the truth. And share, a, share, and the, share the truth. So it's like, it's like unworthy. It's like, what are you, could you be worthy of in this life? All you're waiting to do is die. Yeah. You're just waiting to go to heaven. There's like, this life is a poisonous world. Yeah. And I feel like one of the teachings is that you're in this world of sin. Yeah. So the whole world is. Don't be in the world. Be uh, Yeah. Don't be. It be in the world, but be, not of the world. Be in the world, not of the world. So everything that was not of the Christian faith was guilty. Yeah. hundred percent. And if you weren't doing the Christian faith, like reading your Bible in the morning, mm-hmm. sharing the gospel, bring your Bible in your backpack, you'd feel like I'm not, I'm not as good of a Christian as I could be. I'm lukewarm. I'm lukewarm. Yeah. Yeah. Black and white, hot or cold, nothing yeah. in between. Nothing in between. Question two, should we just jump in? Let's move on. Were you ever made to feel guilty for questioning or doubting church doctrines? Um, To be honest, I don't think I had the balls to question it. Yeah. So this is where you and I have very different experiences, right? Because you just questioned it differently. I questioned it like, hey, dad, the pastor of the church. Yeah. Hey, dad. What if I didn't believe in this? And that's yeah. like, I would, cause I was, that's how I was as a kid. Well, you just love to test the waters. You'd be like, I'm just going to say what I'm thinking right. and get their reaction. Exactly. And the reaction would be bad. And you'd be like, okay, cool. I'm not going to, not going to say it. Which, yeah. So that's what I would do. Right. What Zach's saying is I would literally, if I was 15 coming in the house from my friend's house and dad was like, or mom was like, are you drunk? Have you been drinking alcohol? No, I didn't. I didn't start drinking until 16 and a half, no, whatever, 17 or whatever. But, but you like, wanted to make sure you knew what would but happen I would always, if you did. I'd be, like, I'd be like, what if I was? Yeah. And it's like, what, what asshole does that? You know, it's yeah. like a kid who's really confused about religion, trying to like think for themselves and feels really uncomfortable and guilty for doing it. Yeah. Is every little thing that's against the rules. I'm always like, well, what happens? Because I'm like testing to see what happens when I walk away from God. Yeah. It's like, what's going to happen if I tell them I'm not a Christian anymore? It's like you unconsciously accepting right. the future exactly, and trying to figure out how you're going to get through it. Yeah. So I told him, I was like, dude, I, I'm, I am, I didn't even remember how I, you know, we, I've told the story in the cast, even just a couple casts ago, maybe it was the last one of how I did it, taking them out to dinner and all that crap. But uh, yeah, it was like, I remember saying, you know, like, what if I didn't? believe this anymore i remember even before i even went to my parents or even talked to anybody i would have that thought yeah and i would look up into the sky and be like what if i wasn't a christian and Mm. i would feel all this fear oh yeah and guilt and be like wait a minute hold on a minute that's crazy Mm. like what no 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 so much guilt around that even just that question so i felt like that question thinking outside of the christian teachings or the bible was like a year it was like a year long of just kind of fiddling with that idea. Like, you know what? We're just going to like, every once in a while, we're going to have that thought. And then it was my best friend at the time. I still consider him my best friend ever, uh, which I would love to have him on this podcast. Mm. We'd go out to the park and he'd be like, you know, I would feel guilty about these things. But then he'd be like, hey, check this out, man. Here's an idea. And he'd just say some crazy idea. You know, like one of the luckiest thing ever is having a friend that, does can 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 like kind of step out kind of validate your agency a little and bit. he's like i know you have problems you're a, you're the pastor's kid you got serious issues but me i'm not really worried i don't have as much guilt my parents don't make me feel terrible you know i know who you're talking about and having them as neighbors and as friends uh i think was a privilege and a gift in our situation so lucky because i got to see other evangelical christians raised in a family that wasn't as extreme as ours right and to see that they they didn't suffer from the same things i was suffering yeah, from very little guilt mm-hmm. no guilt no. actually yeah and like and no anxiety around like you know when things like psychedelics started to come into the picture and it was like let's go and do some shrooms and take a hike i would deal with just overwhelming guilt overwhelming, and fear yeah. and you know they'd be like I understand why you are. Like, yeah. It makes sense, but I don't get, I don't deal with that. And I would, that would make me feel so crazy, but also really happy that I had somebody in my life yeah. who came from the church who didn't suffer from the same anxieties. Yeah. Which so is there strange. Are, there's levels to this. There's a correlation there. Yeah, definitely. Right, I'll read the next one. Um, how often did sermons or teachings focus on guilt or repentance? Isn't that what it's all built on? Uh, Christians love to avoid the word guilt. It's never, you're never guilty. Really? You just, I mean, do you remember anyone saying you're guilty? Like be guilty? 
It's repent, repent, sinner. Well, I think you're that, a like, sinner. I repent. think guilt was a really powerful tool because it was like, of course, you're guilty. Have you come to God and asked for forgiveness? Yeah. Have you asked for grace? The, the but we're two, all the guilty. two G exactly. The guilt's a huge guilty. God, God make God. That's a survival thing. God created guilt for a reason, right? It's like God, that's God's guilt. That's yeah. a good thing. And uh, and if you just go to God and ask for forgiveness, then you're all good, baby. Mm. Right. That's like literally what I felt like was like, there's the grace of God and then there's the guilt of God. Mm. And you got to go through the guilt to get to the grace. Everything feels guilty if you're just trying to think a little bit outside of the box. Mm. So it's like one of the ways you can, are you feeling anxious? You feel guilty? Yes. Well, one way you can get rid of that guilt, just come on, come on back. Mm. Come on back and tell God you're sorry. God, I'm sorry. Oh man, I feel better. Well, yeah, of course. You were told you were going to feel better, too. Yeah, I'm just ingrained. Yeah. Which lasted into so many, so much of my, yeah, I could get so deeper, but yeah. how, when I, I'm sorry, excuse me, when I did walk away from the faith, the guilt lasted all, most of my 20s, mm-hmm. into my mid-20s, in, into my romantic partners, relationships, my friendships, business partners, like, standing up for myself learning how to accept myself. Like there's all these levels of guilt. Like, and I still deal with guilt and shame. We all do. But the level that I know that mine does feel directly attached to like confidence of my youth. And it interferes with your ability to love yourself. Yeah. A hundred percent. You can't love yourself if you feel guilty. Yeah. For everything you think and do. Yeah. You can't be, you can't be free with guilt. Yeah. Yeah. And so you learn after you leave the church and you start to heal, you start to realize, oh, dude, nothing fucking matters. That's the only way through it. Like, nothing actually matters. Wait yeah. a minute. No, it's all good. Everything matters and nothing matters. And then Christians are like, everything matters. If you, This is why. And you're like, dude, actually nothing you're saying matters yeah. right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. can we just let go about death for a little bit here? Like, who yeah. cares what happens? Yeah. Let's just be present here and now. Yeah. You know, if you're basing your life off the time you die, you're not living. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of what being an evangelical Christian is, is you're consistently focused and thinking on when you're going to die and you have to save everyone else before they die. We've said this before too. The cheat, the hack, the cheat code is just wait right before you die, then give yeah. your life to Christ. Boom, yeah. you're good. Yeah. And just hope it's not a spontaneous accident. Yeah. You know, like, like, like a car accident. Yeah, oh here, no. Here comes the semi. God, boom. Yeah. Damn just, it. If you say God fast enough. Yeah. God, save me, please. Mm. Oh, God, they were I right. I didn't say the right things. They were right. It's hot. <laughs> um, or you make it to heaven. It's so bright. It's too so much bright. gold. Yeah. Just ah! horns. Oh, I want to. Don't take me back to earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell is just dance music. You're like, this is where I want to be. Yeah. This is where I want to be. Heaven is just so bright, <laughs> so loud. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> Hell is just hot as fuck. A consistent held tone of horns. Yeah, just... (laughs) Praise be! Oh my God. There's other Christians that have been there for like hundreds of years. You'll get used to it. No, their ears are taken off. They've ripped them out. Just just straight skin. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no wonder why angels are different. They don't have ears. Yeah. They take them off. They can't hear shit. They can't hear anything. They just feel the tears of Jesus. Uh, Which one are we on? I think we're on number four here. Did the church use guilt as a means to encourage specific behaviors or actions? It seems like kind of repetitive or, yeah, I mean, it's of course, right? That's what we're talking about. It's like, um, it's, it's also hard to differentiate family, family trauma in the terms of guilt than, um, the religion, the religious trauma, because, uh, our family was different than other families. And, I mean, yeah. And that's what it's like. We're not here on this cast trying to talk about, no. Ooh, our parents. It's more of like, no, our parents were the church. And so for us alone, have these conversations, right? It's like, we're learning the difference. Yeah. Oh, that was. The thing is, is that every majority of what was, we were raised by in our family were the church doctrines. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything that swayed from it. Now, within those church doctrines that we were taught, there was a, so much amazing shit we learned mm-hmm. from our father and mother um, that I'm actually in this cast started to learn a lot more about being able to like hold on to the good things rather than all of the shame and Christian guilt that was yeah. attached to it. Specific behaviors would be like cussing. A lot of guilt there. Foul, foul language. A lot of guilt there. So when I was like younger, right? I'd go into my room. Um, I mean, like 
before I even say what I'm about to say, like Zach, you created like all those fake cuss words. And yeah. I know kids do that, right? Yeah. Some parents are like, no cuss, you know, like language, you get in trouble. But like ours was like, oh, well, let's come up with fake words that sound identical to the cuss word so that we can say them and we won't get in trouble. But there's always that little like fun guilt, mm-hmm. you know? Like, what would you say? Like, son of a finch? Uh, I had, diff- <laughs> I had, I had different words for every curse word. Like cheese and rice. Cheese and rice is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, spit is shit. Yeah. Um, fitch is bitch. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is, is sad is I'd get away with it. I mean, yeah. I would use these terms in anger too. And you'd be like, oh, well, at least you didn't curse. Yeah, at least it's you like, didn't wow, curse. How much of a mark are you missing? That's so missing the mark on what even cursing is and why it's bad for kids to do if they're going to be doing it. It's like you're, you're getting angry. That's why it's bad. Right. That's what you're using these terms out of anger. Right. That's why it's bad. Where's the, there was no lesson there. It right. was just if you say those words, it's guilty, which led me to going in the backyard and just going, fuck, 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 yeah. fuck, fuck. Because I had to say it. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to. And I had fuck, so fuck, much fuck, guilt. Fuck, 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 and I would just stack them yeah. up. I got to get them all around. Ship it, ship it, ship it, ship it, ship it, ship it. And I'd feel crazy and I'd feel so good. Like kind of high, but like, oh my God. But here, I leave the room. Okay. Uh, tell me if you relate to this. My guilt carried along with, with me. And so I would, when I first was able to actually start going to school, which is way later, um, I wouldn't curse around anyone because I would still feel guilty if I cursed around anybody. It was more of like, no one can see me curse. I could go in the backyard and curse as much as I want alone. And I wouldn't feel that guilty. I'd just be like, I needed to get it out. But I wouldn't curse around my friends. My friends all knew I had fake curse words. The fake curse words weren't just for the family and the church. It was like, no, I can't let myself curse around people. And I don't even know if that relates back to like, I'll get in trouble. It, But it, it really felt like I'd let God down. Yeah, I think that like it's – there's like – that's something we're talking about. This shit lasts a long time. Yeah. Right? Like I, I think like using cuss words is like a good example of like something that's taught, you know, that's – just like edit movies are edited specifically mm. for like the Christian families, you know, mm. like there's just so much around like bad, like there are words in the English language in every language that are sinful words, not good words. Yeah. That's what it felt like cussing was. I think yeah. cussing for a lot of kids are bad words, but for us it was like, no, that's like your, it's a sinful word to use. Mm. And so I think that, I mean, I didn't start really using foul language in public until like junior year of high school. And it was, what happened was I thought it was so cool. Mm. And that's not a cool thing to be like, oh, dude, like fucking no fucking way, dude. It's like, you, you yeah, know, you're not you're, making any sense. You look like an idiot. Yeah, you're 16. Who cares? You dude? know, it's like. A lot of 16 year olds do stupid and then, stuff. And then I was just like a, you know, like I, and I don't know. I just like, that's a good example. I think like, let's, let's use another example mm. of like the teachings. Um uh like uh, uh let's let's just go here um masturbate no let's go to masturbation sure yeah there you go yeah um did you feel guilty masturbating as a kid oh yeah yeah i talk about it tell totally me. tell me about it baby the thing is it's like was it taught was it taught in the church that masturbation is wrong no, it was a lot more obscure than that. It was a lot more like... Depends on what part of the church you were at. During a sermon with the entire church? No. At a men's group? Yes. Yeah, there was a, like a, the, the, the men's groups where it's just men talking. Like there was always the masturbation conversation. Most youth pastors would ask me like... Are you masturbating? Are you masturbating? What do you think about when you masturbate? Yeah, like really direct questions where it was like, man, I feel really guilty around masturbating. Yeah. Um, and, and you're really invading my space right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, which makes me feel even more guilty. The guilt around sex, I think. Like, and I know that this question is in the here. It talks about we can just say it. the question is: How did the church teachings on sexuality and purity shape your self worth and self perception? Right, because there's so much teaching around like man with woman, woman with man, one on one. Married. You don't get have sex, be- no sex before marriage. Married. Right. And you have no, to- but like, not even just like, uh, you can't have sex. It's like no attraction yeah. until you put that ring on and you say your vows, then you might be able to touch your, your, your wife. Yeah. And I think there's like different levels to it. I think for me as a kid, like I was breaking like the moment I had my first girl, I don't know, like girls in like sex and then other, like I was attracted to boys and I didn't really know what that meant. So I just canceled that shit. I yeah. felt every time that I thought a boy was attractive. Canceled. 
I would, I don't even remember feeling it much more than that. Yeah. It would just be like, done. Bury it. It'd be like, oh, done. So I never actually fulfilled that feeling or understood that feeling until I actually started to deal with my mental health, which was the guilt, the shame. Um, and the, so like masturbation growing up, like, you know, it's, it's something that's, you know, if you do it too much, right? Like sinful, guilty. Yeah. yeah. If you do it at all, there's going to be room for guilt. Yeah. So every time that I masturbated, it, it was like guilty. Oh yeah. And then there was like plenty of times that, you know, the questions like, are you looking at anything? Mm. And it's like, of course. So I'm guilty immediately talking about masturbation because I'm like looking at, you know, underwear, underwear on eBay, underwear ads, you know, that I could find on any newspaper because our father had installed something called covenant eyes on our computers where every single day he'd get an email sent to him that was like different colors of sexual websites. So if there was any picture of a girl, even, a if, woman, even if it was like a corner ad, he'd still get a, an email that would be like your son, one of your sons visited yeah, these this sites. IP address, looked at this yeah. real government eyes on. So I think in our family or in mm. our experience as pastors, kids, there was a lot in the home that was like very guilt driven. Um, there was also like, so all that happened. There was all the guilt that came sexually about what I thought sexually about myself. Um, that uh, it made it like all of that guilt carried into my first relationship and my self-worth and my ability to say no, right? That's the other thing is it's like there was so much fear and guilt around sex in general, sex yeah. before marriage and all that, that when it came to me leaving the church, yep. which I was still at my parents' house, I didn't have the... I didn't have like much bound many boundaries for how to say no to certain things or the like church. The church doesn't raise you. And I'm going to say the church because I don't really blame just our parents for this. I blame the entire church. The church doesn't raise you to walk away or have any possibility of walking away or have any life that isn't the life well, they the planned for the you. The most guilt thing you ever do is yeah, walk away. And if you walk away, you're killing yourself. Might as well just be dead. Yeah. You're going to go to hell anyway. And so – if you walk away and you've had no lessons on how to, one, have any safe sex for one, but two, have any lessons on what it means to have agency in a sexual relationship or a relationship with anybody on your sexual preferences or what you want or when you want to have sex or when you don't want to have sex, but you haven't learned any of that because you weren't supposed to be having sex anyway, right. that you're not going to know what to do. And then you get put a lot, a lot of vulnerable situations where you say yes because you don't know how to say no. And there's people that take control. And there's people that bad things just are going to happen yeah. if, if you're going to be a sexual being and not be taught how to be a sexual being. Right. And yeah, it gets really complicated, man. It's hard to not like openly say things we shouldn't say on this podcast. It, it's, yeah. And I think that like the guilt turns when it comes to like masturbation. Like if you have older men talking to younger boys and separating them from girls to talk with them specific, to have specific conversations with them about their 12 year old sexual personal life. Yep. If you do that, you're creating energy in a space that is super scary. Yeah. This is what it is. Super scary. Everything that has to do with sex is going to have, or especially sexual if, experiences. Especially if you're not the parent of that kid. Yeah. That's the thing is I, I had really good conversations with my dad about masturbation that I remember, but I also had really bad conversations with youth pastors, not just one multiple right. and pastors. There's like one conversation to have with your child about masturbation. Yeah. Hey, are you, are you, you cool? Yeah. Uh, it's not really good to do in good public. For you. Don't do it in public. You've made it to this age. Yeah. It's going to be fucking nuts for the next three years. Have yeah. fun. Yeah. Okay. Your hormones are going to go through the roof. Keep it in your room. Yeah. Keep it in the freaking room. I don't want to know. Just do Dude, your thing. You know, it's like, end of story. I had friends uh, that I made later <laughs> that weren't Christian that I would hear of like what their dad told them or mom or whatever at 12 about masturbation. And yeah, it was just don't, don't do it in front of anyone. Do it in your room. Yeah, don't do like, it in front of anybody. Like That's bad. It's not a just do that in your alone time. Make sure it's the like, blinds if are that closed. That was all I had to worry about. Oh man, I'd feel so much safer masturbating. Yeah, yeah but if if the parent comes up to you or the pa the youth pastor comes up to you and they're like, "Did you masturbate this week?" and you're like, <laughs> "Did you? Did you ten, this week ten times? What did you think?" Well, about <laughs> boobs. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
this is going to leave a mark for the rest of my young <laughs> oh, adult man. life. I'm only, I'm only laughing because it's just like pedophilia. Like, it's just weird, There's dude. levels to it. There's levels to it where it's like, why is... Why levels are, to it. Why are people that aren't my parents asking me if I'm masturbating and what I'm thinking about? So, around masturbation, um, which is always a... A, we could talk, we could have multiple podcasts just on sex and, you know, and like about the well, traumas that, around sex. That's and, where I think it should go. Because, I mean, the guilt for me, at least the guilt of masturbation kind of left me pretty young because I started to realize I'm like, dude, what I do in my alone time, you all can like forget about it. But when it came to how I felt about women, how I felt about having sex, how I felt about having sex after I stopped believing in the faith, all those things came with walls of guilt that I am still, I, I always think I've broken them down and I always find them building themselves back up. And I'm like, what the hell? Break yeah. that shit down. Like, where is it? And it's like deep rooted deep. guilt that I shouldn't be a sexual being. And it makes you like stuck. Yeah. And then you start to wonder why your relationship is suffering. And you're like, dude, I am really suffering right now. Right. And it's like really tough. And so like, that's when that question is like, did the church implant something in like, uh, how do they say it here? Um, the teachings on sexuality and purity shape your self-worth and self-perception. Yeah. It's like, oh, dude, probably the most. Right. Probably the most. Yeah, because it seems to be such a natural and healthy part of being alive. If not the most, 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 the most natural and, and then when you, yeah, and you're, you're in a world that capitalizes capitalism yeah. on sex, beauty, yeah. and like the, the gender, all the gender that's, you know, everything that's being broken down in the last 10 to 15, 20 years has been like fantastic timing for people coming out of the church too. It's why it's all happening. Yeah. It's why there's conversations like this happening is because, you know, capitalism, the church, all of these things are built around selling things. And so if you can make something really intense and overwhelming, you're going to it's going to sell sex sells. So sex already is like in our society, such a profitable thing to put energy into and sell. And so the church uses that. The church uses yeah. the same shit that sells in Hollywood, just in a very different way. Yeah. To control. To control, ultimately. What are the things that make you human? We're going to take those. We're going to make those illegal. Because being a human is, is a sinful thing. It, it, it I just mean, is. Naturally, you just, you're born here. You're, you're immediately sinful. Yep. That's why you need Jesus. How could you not have an immense amount of guilt if that's what you're taught? You're born. You had no choice to be here. You didn't choose your parents. But ultimately, the moment you become of age to have agency and awareness, you're like, wait, you're telling me that I have, I'm a sinner because I'm just, I'm here. So I need Jesus to be able to free myself of this sin. But then even after you have Jesus, everything you do from here on out is going to be filled with guilt. But you so you're not saved. But you have access to the grace of God. Didn't feel like it. But... But the book says it did to me. It didn't to me. To me, it was like guilt. Go to God. Gone. Not me, man. Really? I don't think God heard me. That like, like, like man, I would. And this is super vulnerable, but might as well on a vulnerable podcast. But every shower I would take, I would get on my knees and bawl my eyes out, asking for forgiveness. Like as a kid. As a kid, and like up for until, what? Who fucking knows, dude? I I, I think back on it often wondering what I was doing, why I, why I was so scared and why I was so guilty and why I was crying. So as somebody that's, you know, we both have both have deal with and have dealt with a lot of our anxiety and depression have been on and off meds and believe in yeah. the powers of psychedelia and plant medicine and all that. So if you were more prone to depression and anxiety in our family, which we know in our bloodline, it's very much huge. Yeah. Most families deal with this. Well, and I was. I was the more anxious, depressed right. kid. Seen as like a three-year-old, they were starting to see signs that like your emotional responses and things were different than me and Natalie. Yeah. And so it was kind of the writing was on the wall. So would you say that the Christ, the church teachings like assisted in your mental health? Then your anxiety, like a hundred percent. So like, because like, dude. also being withheld from public school. So the way that you would feel, we're talking about fourth grade, fifth grade. You're talking, you're talking like, um, 13. Since I had my first 10. anxiety mental break at 10 from then until about 16, when I started to be like, I'm so tired of living this life. It's like before going to school, skating with your friends, whatever you would be dealing with like immense amounts of guilt and anxiety just i think that's why i loved skating so much is it was the only thing that got me out of my head you know that's interesting i uh i like that 
what things help you feel like no matter what you're going through, what is it that takes you completely out of the world? And you're just like, okay, when you do that thing, you know, and like skating was your skating thing. was my thing. Basketball was my thing for a while, but music took over everything, man. Once, yeah, once I really powerful. started to accept my talent as a musician, but then also like songwriting and loving listening to music and creating music. Like once I gave into that, uh, that was everything. And that took over the last, like yeah, most of our, most of my existence has been, I need music to be everything. It's a medicine. Yeah. Art is medicine. But I've also reflected back on that as, has music been my everything because it was my way out. Yeah. So as you heal and grow. Who knows? I mean, I think. Maybe music can become a hobby rather than like a, a necessity to get and through as, the as life. And as you always say, it's the second you sec- accept that, then it's going to blow up. Yeah. It's like the second you're like, I don't need I don't need any of that. I just love doing it. It's like, boom, now everyone's going to love it. Which is, that means you're ready. Yeah, I guess That so. means you're ready for that ego trip. <laughs> yeah, it would be a huge ego trip, man. Of course. I mean, it, it, the pressures. Yeah. Also, there's the ego is a part of who we are. So like, if that were to happen, then you get to practice how to balance that life. Yeah. That's just like we're practicing how to balance this, being vulnerable and honest about our past religious trauma, talking about some really vulnerable things, and then recognizing how some videos blow up and you're like, well, that really sucked to talk about, but I'm so, ha- wow, look at that. Like, I look pretty good. Look at those views. You know, so <laughs> there's always life of being a present, presenting anything, you're going to deal with some ego. And I think that that's totally normal and mm. healthy. Yeah. If you didn't have an ego, then you didn't feel the ego. How would you and put boundaries around that shit, you know? Mm. Um, that's why getting famous and super, super famous. Cause we're on our way of becoming so famous from so this podcast. Famous. No, but like what we learned in blouse. And I've said this before on this cast is when we had our interview with laid back Luke, mm-hmm. he was like, no, no, no. Like it's so much better to become successful later in life. Like just, you have so much to learn. And it was like, man, I don't want it. I want it now. And it's like, that was over 10 years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I'm so happy. Oh my God. Because dude. it would be great to be rich and famous, but man, I would have been, I was, the things I've learned now about love, relationships, priorities, life, religious trauma, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just. The yeah, trauma would have come out differently. Oh and, yeah. And it came out in a lot of crazy, drunken, uh, anger nights um, that were kept here. And so it was like, you and I know shit. Some other people know some stuff. There's some stories out there. That's it. If we would have had any fame, man, would that religious trauma and our just our trauma in general would have been a lot more people would have seen it. And it's a lot, I think, a lot harder to like recover from it, I would think. Yeah, we might have been, we, I could have been canceled for anger. And there was so much, man. <laughs> I'm so, I think I've said this before on this podcast. I know you have too. Uh, I'm so surprised we're still like talking as brothers. We've gone through so many hiccups that like if, yeah, after we won White Wonderland, if things really would have taken off the way they were supposed to, you know, the way we were told by these big managers and oh, stuff. If, if, if a kid didn't come into my life. It, it, I mean, that's what, that's what we say. That's that's kind of our out. It's like the kid, the kid got us, but it, it feel like it was fate. And I feel like it was the cosmos like you're not going that way. Because I think, I don't think we would have made it through. I mean, I'm not like alive. I think we would have been alive. I just think our relationship would have probably crashed and burned because man, would fame have changed everything? And what if money? Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's like, we never really got the money ever. We had a moment where people thought we were getting the fame, but we never got the money. And if we would have ever gotten the money, I know for me, that would have changed everything. And oh, I would, yeah. I would have tractor beamed in, we, dude. We would have figured it out. Cause I mean, uh, ultimately we've never not, I've never not been on a process of healing and growth. Yeah. We're talking about when we were DJs and this came up because, uh, you were talking about skating and I was yeah. thinking like, you know, I was a drummer. I only wanted to be in bands. How did I, why did, why was DJing, you know, why did that take my life? Or it was because when I was DJing on a stage, I never, I didn't have any issues. There no. were no issues. There was no anxiety. There was no guilt. There's no depression. There was no like performing insecurities. It was like, no matter how nervous I felt, the moment I was there was like, oh, this is a safe space, which we've got a little bit here on these cameras. So that's, what's nice. Yeah. Um, let's, let's uh, keep going. We got about maybe like 10 more minutes here. Yeah. So, um, oh, where were we? How did the church of stands in morality impact? We're going to go to. Were there specific sins or actions, question seven, that the church emphasized more leading to heightened guilt? 
I kind of very feel like we just went over that. Yeah. Question eight. Did you feel guilt about not meeting the church's expectations in terms of evangelism or outreach? No. Yes. (laughs) You first. Um, I feel like we did everything very well. Um, And I feel like when I would look at other people in the church, it was like at 12, I've already got on more outreaches than the 50 year olds over here. And a lot, a lot of, a lot of ego, man. So much like, like looking back at it, it's like the, the guilt and the egotistical side of the evangelical Christian church is so thick. And you're the victim. And you're the victim. When you're the victim, you can do no wrong when you're a victim. Exactly. And so when, when I would feel prideful about like the, things I was doing as an evangelical and the mission trips we were going on and like at 14 at the tenderloin, getting someone to get saved. Me, yeah. me, I, I did it. Want to know why? Cause I'm a pastor's kid and I've been trained since birth. I'm meant for this. It's like the ego and the pride so thick that like, no, I didn't feel guilty. I felt like I was doing the best until I walked away or until I stopped wanting to be there, then I felt pretty guilty. So then, the, yeah. So this questions is saying in term the expectation service evangelism or outreach. Well, I guess about, later in. Yeah. So after you walked away from the church, you felt guilt for doing that evangelism and outreach. Oh yeah, dude. Oh, I feel so guilty for the things I did as a kid. We had a f- really close friend of ours from the past that we haven't talked to in forever who messaged us, who specifically gave us a topic to maybe that asked us to talk about. And that was kind of around this was like having guilt about past relationships where you were like outreaching or evangelical yeah. to them, friends, people at school where you're like, <sighs> you need to give your life to Christ. And then you walk away from the faith and you're like, you have these memories you can see them you can feel the conversations and being like i can't and you're disgusted with yourself for being that person back then yeah when it technically was it your fault no did you know anybody but, so the guilt comes in rippling effects yeah. and it hits in multiple ways it's like you can feel guilt for not being a strong evangelical which we all felt we all felt guilty for not going out there and sharing the faith even though that's what we would do so if you didn't if, i would always feel that where it was like what am I doing in my life right now to be a community, reaching out to the community? There's always something that was going on. And for us being pastor's kids, it's like it was natural. That's what yeah. we did. We went to dad. It's dad's job. Yeah. I didn't know any better. Yeah. It's like half the reason why I'm a freaking nurse. Yeah. I didn't know what else to do. This is what I do. You help, you go you help out. people. You just go out. Yeah. It was, that's how it was, it was. I was always pitched at being like, you're just helping people. And it's like, no, you were like telling them what they believe is wrong. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're telling them they're sinners and they need Jesus. We're not helping them. No. Um, I guess at the time we thought we were saving their lives. The same thing we were told at like four and five. You're a sinner, you need Jesus. Uh, for me, you know, there's the reason why I was president of the Christian club at the middle school, seventh and eighth grade was because I was doing the Lord's work and I wanted to make my dad proud. Mm. So there was a part of, you know, having a dad that's a pastor where you want to be like your father. It's like having a dad that's a surgeon or having a dad that's a race car driver or having a dad that's an actor. You might want to be, you, who doesn't want to be like their dad? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's like a pretty common thing. At least in your younger years. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Younger years. You want to live up to your dad's expectations. So when I would put myself on, into like the role of being a pastor, you know, like I'm going to do a teaching which was like encouraged, Nathan, do you want to teach a little Bible study before youth group tonight? 10 minutes. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. Yes, of course. Because if I didn't, then I wouldn't be doing the Lord's work. And the Mm. Lord's work is making my dad proud by being this evangelical Christian on a stage for others to hear. The Lord's work is saying yes. Exactly. But also I didn't even have a thought about it. It was like, oh my God, this, not only there was pride. I meant for this. I was born for this. I'm good. I was good at it. And so there was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to feel guilty. Mm. So I never even got to the point of feeling the guilt because I preemptively felt it knowing I'd feel it. Plus, I want to make my dad proud. Plus, I want to be interesting. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I like that you brought that up because I feel like a, a lot of the reasons why you do things as an evangelical is to avoid the guilt you're going to feel if you don't. Yeah, because you know what it does feel like. Totally. You know, if you do, a, if you do more, you feel less. Yeah. Actually, you feel pride. Yeah. You confidence. Feel you feel good. And so uh, yeah, bringing my Bible to school, I didn't have to. My son just asked me this. He was like, dad, because he's in the same grade, seventh grade. And he was oh like, oh my God, that's so wild. Why, why would you bring your Bible to school? And I was like, um, 
I don't really know. And he was like, you didn't have to. It's not like Momo and Grandpa, you know, his grandma and grandpa. He's like, it's not like grandma and grandpa forced you to, right? And I was like, not technically, no. And he was like, so then why'd you do it? And I was like, they didn't force me. Nobody forced me, but I wanted to make them proud. But they did, they did encourage us to take our Bibles with us. I just I was like, I wanted to make them proud. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, that's where the guilt is. Mm. I want to make my parents proud. Ultimately, our dad is a pastor. I want to make the church proud. The church was proud of me. Yeah, they were. They reinforced that. Until they were so disappointed. Oh, yeah. And then when I walked away, it was like, bye-bye. Yeah, it was like, talk about, talk about uh, conditional love. And at that point, I was so canceled out. I was like, yeah, give me the guilt. That's how you dealt with it. Dude, it's so sad to think back to. Um, and I haven't fully realized this until we started this podcast. We started opening up together that I realized your position in all of this. That like at 15, you just got completely like exiled from anyone that you knew. And then who'd you, who else did you know? The people you were trying to like make friendships with. So you just kind of attached to them. And a lot of them were like narcissistic controlling people that did other things to you and manipulated well, you in different ways. And it was yeah. just like, you were just at 15 from such a young age. Like, like Evan in three years was just, instead of being like the love and care that that kid needs, they were just like, man, you're doing the wrong thing. Man, you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, and we're, then, we're and, disappointed. And you're like, well, I can't change myself. I can't change my mind. And that was it. And yeah. then like, no more support for Nathan. Yeah. Everyone make sure you give him no support. So he has to come back. Yeah. You didn't. Thank God you didn't, dude. Yeah. No. Sorry, I know I just went off track there, but every time you bring that up, man, it hits this emotional core for me because it didn't feel that way for me. For me, yeah. it felt like you were leaving and you were lost because I'm a young kid. Right. And then until I, which is now, but like until I realized that, like I've rejected those thoughts on what truly happened there. Don't you think that that's why you and me have a relationship that's not only a relationship still, but it's growing and we're still wanting to do art together is because like given our differences and our issues, which are, can be conf conflicts for us, we recognize that a lot of our brotherhood and a lot of our relationship with each other was, had insane constraints and like attempts like that ultimately things they ripped like the church and this religion tore our relationship apart. Well, it did. We can't get too honest with it. I really wish we could just be like, hey, this is like the truth of what happened right. to us as brothers, but I don't really want to do that to our parents. But that's what I think that that's like why you, when you see me that way, it's yeah. really powerful because I know that you are starting, like, especially when we've had this podcast, but like, yeah, my experience back then really was the only way I knew how to deal with the loss of my brother and my parents and, you know, like our sister was getting married and like, there was all these things where I was so, I was already so conditioned mm. and I'd already been pushing buttons and doing things that I, I knew it was going that way. Like there was no, like, it wasn't shocking, you know, like, but we've talked about in this podcast. I went out, you know, got kicked out of the house and that was that night and I walked into your room and sat on your bed yeah. and, and you were sitting there and you were so young and you were so like scared and you were like, you smoked weed and you were like having a craziest anxiety and like all this stuff. And I remember sitting next to you and, you know. Snuck in. I snuck you into snuck your room in really quick. House. We weren't allowed to see each other. And at that time, I remember this, dude. I remember this. I was so hurt at that time that I didn't feel anything that night. There was a lot of anger. But I didn't feel anything. I just felt it over the next 10 years. Yeah, 100%. And our relationship felt it for 10 years. And yeah, that's why we, this podcast matters a lot to us is because the one, like, we've been trying to do art together and we've been doing art together and we started our own solo projects and then it was like, here we are. Yeah. And I think that like what is uh, amazing is that at some point we all have an opportunity to face it. To like try to see things more clear, to face that childhood guilt, to mm. face that pain, to face that confusion. And we had very different experiences. And that's why these topics and these conversations are fun because I guess in the fun isn't the right word, but it's enlightening. Yeah. Because we get to see each other who ultimately suffer from religious trauma that are healing in moment, in the moment and growing out of this, literally growing out of these constraints and these issues and getting closer together not just to each other, but to our partners mm -hmm. and accepting our, not accepting, but being able to not allow the 
problems of our parents and the problems of the Christian church to be our problems anymore. Yeah. Because part of the religious trauma and the guilt and the healing from that and trying to rise above it is seeing each other, mm-hmm. having space, you know, to being like the same thing I've said before, what Jesus said on the cross, you say to other Christians, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they've done, what they do. It's like, just reverse it. You just reverse that shit. But like, you didn't know. So, so much of my life accepting my own self and my own guilt was like, I always had to let you, I, like give you space. Well, I was blinded with anxiety at that point too. I, I was dealing with chronic anxiety that wasn't even labeled as anxiety yet and therapy wasn't big yet. And so I wasn't, I was getting no help besides Zach, just pray more. It's all I was told. And so the person you were like, oh no, smoked weed with him. Oh no. And his brain's collapsing is like, cause I just had nothing and you were watching me in nothingness and you were like, Zach is gonna be okay. I can't even, I can't even feel anything right now. It's cause it was just like a mess, dude. When I think back to it, it was like such a mess. Well, I felt a lot of pain for you. I was so scared because I felt like a dad to you at yeah. times, you know, and it was hundred like, percent kind of was, you know, yeah. especially then, especially in that, that moment, particularly like you were a, my dad at yeah. that moment. Yeah. And you were the only person telling me it was going to be okay from a human standpoint, not a Christian standpoint. Right. And, uh, fuck man. Yeah. There's a lot of trauma there. Yeah. There's a lot of trauma in that moment of my life. Um, Both of I, us. I feel like, uh, dealing dealing with those traumas are, are a little different than dealing with religious trauma for well, it's, me. I mean, it's familial. And I think that like everyone has familial parental trauma and sibling trauma. It's like being part of a family, being in a relationship, any romantic relationship requires hard work and there's going to be arguments and disagreements that are going to hurt. And there's going to be some separation and then anxiety and then coming back together and healing and growing and healing and growing. And uh, that's, Suffering is such a huge part of what it means to be human. It's quite beautiful. The more you, you know, try to learn how to accept and surrender, accept and surrender. All of, it seems like all of the really strong and good things in life come from really hard work, Mm. which is ultimately hard work is suffering. Suffering. And so this is hard work going back to those places and thinking about them. But thinking about that part of our childhood was like, you didn't choose that. I didn't choose that. So there's just a difference when you have to suffer by things you didn't choose. hundred percent, hundred percent. But then my pessimistic self goes, but it happened. Right. And you still have to deal with it. Oh yeah. You have to, yeah. all of us have to go. It's like when, you know, the, another saying in the Bible is everyone has to meet their maker. Yeah. Uh, so that's between you and your God when you die. I'm like, that's between me and my God, which is me every sec, every day. Yeah. Everything that I do is between me and me. Yeah. That's what taking responsibility is. I'm going to meet my maker every day, all day, every day, all day, every, the moment I wake up. That's why gratitude prayers are so powerful. It's because you start the day with gratitude and that's a great way to meet your maker. Yeah. By it, saying it thank you for having life. It is powerful. And it's very powerful just to remind yourself of the good things in your life. Yeah. Because I think when you're in dark places, at least for me, Speaking from a personal stance, uh, I don't. I don't think I even want to think of happy thoughts. Like my brain just doesn't want them, and so I like. I'll sometimes, after you brought that up, try to force myself to say out loud some things I'm grateful for, and it feels gross, and I don't want to, and I'm angry, and then I start to feel a little better. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's, it's really strange. Powerful. It is really powerful. Being grateful is very powerful. Well, I'm grateful for you, Zachary. Yeah, me too, man. Um, from <laughs> I'm grateful for you as yeah. well. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm grateful for me. I'm grateful for me too. From ego, guilt, ego. From guilt to gratitude. There it is, folks. Um, not bad. Not bad, baby. Um, we touched on some good stuff. We did. Okay. Uh, we are... Um, we forgot to turn on our uh, fun uh, lights behind us. So welcome back to the... Game Cam. Game Cam. Here on the Mortal Kombat Podcast, we like to play Mario Kart 64. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are starting the 6.0s. It is 6.0s. We uh, really believe in connecting with your inner child here on the Mortal Kombat Podcast. One of the ways that we do that is playing the video game we played as children while we were embracing religious trauma in the moment. Yep. Um, And that's Mario Kart 64. We play the battles. And we've done this so many times because we're just, we're actually having more and more fun every week. It's like, let's get through the conversation so we can play some Mario Kart. Seriously. Uh, you recording, yeah? I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm 
positive. Okay, he's positive. We're just gonna go for it. Um, but now every time, if you ask the question, I have to check. I know. I will check. Okay. Um, We've done it too many times <clears throat> where we didn't record. If you're hearing that, I'm, I'm Yoshi today, baby. You might as well be Toad. And we'll just go he, to Nathan was always Yoshi growing up. Yes. And I don't remember what I always was. I just always wanted to be Yoshi because Nate was, and so I think I was Toad. If we're recording, you can see my face. I'm going to be Toad. I'm going to go back to the old days. I think this is what the character used to be. Yeah. Yoshi and Toad, baby. The fastest drivers on the game. Yoshi is the fastest, for sure. By, okay. By landslide. Here we go. Big Donut 6.0. Big Donut Which I like Big Donut because it's a little oh. bit less stressful. There's not as many levels and all that. It does go quicker. Here we go. Um, all that music you're hearing in the background when during game cam is uh, yours truly, Nene from the Bay. Um, game tracks here in the Mortal Kombat podcast. Okay, not a good start. I'm, I'm off. I am the top screen. There's Yoshi. Give me that. Ooh. Did you just, just take a, my red that just shell? Is a bummer, dude. That is a bummer, that dude. That is a bummer. Oh, no. This is not looking strong. Where are you going? Come back. Okay. Wow, he got another star. Oh, yeah. You, you didn't do that turn well, did you? Nope. Here we go. Here we go. You better get something. Here we go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's really good. I got something. It's really good. Oh, you came from the side. He sideswiped me, folks. I did, because I've been playing the game long enough that I remember how to get you when you had something on your butt. Where are you I going? I don't even think I ever processed that you could do that. Oh. No way, dude. Yes. No! Yes. No, 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 no. No! Oh. Yes! Wow, dude. Jeez, really reminded me of the good old days right now. All right, Nathan one, Zachary zero. Best out of three, right, buddy? Best, yeah, best. This out is of your three. chance, Zach. Bring it back. Boom! Ah, oh, I was trying to get that boost. I just redlined. I'm sorry. Ah, oh, you got the red shell first. That's always a bad start is when you get the red shell first. You know, it's like if I had the red shell first, I'm gonna keep going around and around until he comes to get me. Here we go, banana. Yes. Boom! Hit that. Oh, you almost hit that block, my baby. Did. I did almost hit it. Hello, he's got the star. Here he comes out the corner gate. Wait, where'd you go? Oh, there you are. Oh, hello. Remember the last game where it was just Star City? No! Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is so good for me. This is not, the, the 6.0s are not starting strong. I just want to remind everybody I did very good on the 5.0s. Oh, uh, you're another star. Wow, you almost got me there. <laughs> Dude, I hate it when we get all close like this. You know, it's time. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. Where you going, baby? Where you going, baby? Come on back. Oh, we got the bananas. Boom! Oh, didn't get me. How did you not get me? Didn't get me. Didn't get me, daddy. Oh, yes. man, you are good with those nice side swipes. Swipe, baby. A lot of Whoa. bananas. A lot of bananas, dude. Whoa. <laughs> Landmines. You're lucky you got that. Come here. Come here. Every time we're up in these little dark corners, I always just feel like I'm sliding into a dark Yeah, I know. Hole. They pull you into the wall. What do you think? You think I'm not going to learn? Swipe me, baby. You think I'm not going to learn from you, baby? Sideswipe me, baby. I didn't. You did not learn. Yeah, you're not. You know I'm about to get you, bro. You know I'm coming in hot. You know I'm faster than you. Here it comes to the <laughs> side. Oh, too late. I'm out. Bye. 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 Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> you get another star? Come here. No. Leave me alone. God. Come here. Come here. I lost a balloon to get that one. Dude, that what, was hot. What is the, like that the. That was hot. What is the science behind when I see you with the star behind me? My thought process isn't like, okay, weave out. It's always like, don't hit him. Yeah. I just go right in. Yeah. Well, there he is. Get him. Yeah. I just can't avoid you for some reason. Damn, dude. Well played. <sighs> Great work, man. I, I think it's like a wave, right? It's like I win, then you you win some, then I start winning some. Yeah, it is. It is like some, there's some energy there. We'll probably figure it out once we pass on from this life what the energy is. But they, you, you definitely tap into something, and I definitely tap into something. Oh. And the best games, and we're both tapped in. I was not tapped in there. I don't, yeah, I mean, that's why I like the big donut, is because 
it's quick. Yeah. You know, you don't have, you don't have too much that you can do. Yeah. You just drive well, and the go. The next, next week's block for it. That, that's the longest one for sure. Here we go again. We're like looking forward to the game, not the trauma. <laughs> of course, dude. That dopamine really is. Same, same as our childhood. I looked forward to the game, not the church, uh, dude. true. Yeah. I was like after church, we can play video games. Finally. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to say turn, turn the garage on, but uh, don't clap because I'm bringing in the music when the lights hit. Uh, you the know, last time it was like we were both off and the music hit in between us. <laughs> it's like, ah, I got you. Echo, garage on. Oh, you would have had it. I know. You would have got it. Uh, well, that's it, folks. That's all we got um, for you today. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you in a week. My last acting class is this over the year is Tuesday night doing training day. And I'm just going to put it out into the universe, especially when we say things on this podcast, it's definitely on the universe. Nathaniel did say that after this acting class was over, he wanted to fill his time with something else more artistic, like getting us ready for some interviews. Yeah, that's right. And so very soon, folks, I believe you are probably going to see some fantastic yeah. interviews with some soon, wonderful people. Soon you're going to be seeing Zachary, and then you're going to be seeing Nathan, and then you're going to be seeing an angle that goes behind you. Yep. The camera, what happens behind you? You're about to find out. You're about to find out. Whenever it happens. We also are going to have a really fun little thing we're releasing yeah, to. by next weekend. That's it. We have to get it done by next weekend. Oh, we, will. we will. And we'll put out our new segment. Yeah. Does it heal? Does it heal? All right. Love you, buddy. Love everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.